Welcome to Consciousness Unfiltered. Get ready for a very different, vulnerable, and uncensored conversation with Dr. Anthony Mattis and his amazing guests. They'll be sharing the powerful tools of access consciousness that have helped thousands of people all over the world to create change in every area of their lives. And we're off. Welcome everyone to Consciousness Unfiltered. I am Dr. Anthony Mattis and I'm joined by my very good friend, Marilyn Bradford. Marilyn is a licensed psychotherapist. She's been in practice for 30 years. She's also an Access Consciousness certified facilitator. And she's actually the very first facilitator that I took my foundation class and basically changed my whole reality. I don't know if I was a great student at that time, but uh, but all I know is she changed my world. And talk about bypassing your cognitive understanding. I mean, that class was a great example for that. So welcome, Marilyn. I am grateful to you for eternity because <laughs> you changed my life really with that that foundation class. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And as I recall, you were awesome. You participated in everything. We're very vulnerable. You had your kids there. It was an amazing class. Yeah, really thank you. It. It'll change my life forever, that's for sure. You are also the author of Right Recovery for You uh, book. And yeah. uh, I want to talk to you about that. I'd love to, the world to know. You know, I've, you know, the children's mom, um, you know, she committed suicide nine years ago. She was also, you know, diagnosed with bipolar disorder and also an alcoholic. And, you know, she did AA, the 12 steps. Uh, I was very curious about the different things that she was doing. So I actually decided to do the 12 steps as well from the Al-Anon perspective. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was a, a great mental cathartic process and it did create a lot of change. There were aspects of it that maybe I didn't necessarily agree with, like, you know, maybe a power outside of you without that, you're you know, you can't do it on your own. So I want to talk about addiction. I want to talk about the right recovery for you, the book. But before we kind of get into that, can you talk, share with us, like, where were you professionally and personally before access even came into your life? And then what made you make that jump? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I was diagnosed as an alcoholic. That was in um, the 80s. No, it was before that. I can't remember. It was in the 80s. <laughs> My yeah. son, I have a COVID um, yeah. brain. But um, so I went through AA and I did that for 15, 16 years. I, I worked the whole program. I stayed sober. But in the beginning, I had also started to see a therapist when I decided to go for sobriety. And after a while, he said, you know, Marilyn, I think you'd make a great therapist. I was betwixt and between. I was having, getting a divorce. I wanted to start a new career. I'd been teaching. I'd been working in the food world. So I'm like, okay. So yeah. I went to graduate school uh, to become a psychotherapist with a specialty in addiction. Uh -huh. And I was doing that all the while being sober and yet being so this has got to be something else to this. And I looked at everything out there, rationally motive therapy, women for sobriety. There were all kinds of different programs, uh, but I never found each one gave me a little piece, but nothing was like this is it. And even my therapist had said early on, Marilyn, I'm almost hesitant to send you to AA because you're going to be, what the heck is this? <laughs> and I was kind of. Um, because it was so, 
dictatorial in a way. It was, you have to do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and you can't do that, and this is the truth, and you have to accept the truth. And I've never been very good at accepting somebody else's truth. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, this is the best thing out there. And right. people do, some people do say sober. I think you probably know it only has about a 10% success rate. Well, but I think the big book says 3%. Pardon? I think the big book says uh, 3%. I think it's oh, even really? less than that. <laughs> Which well, in any case, I just knew there had to be something out there with yeah. a greater success rate, with possibilities. Plus, as a psychotherapist, even from the beginning, I desired to really empower my clients. And sending them to AA is not very empowering because it's all about how you can't do it. You need a power greater than yourself. And you're wrong. You're Mm. just wrong. And you need to make amends. I mean, someone once asked me, if you were to describe AA, how would you describe it? And I said, well, take two weeks out of your life every morning and every night. Write out how you're selfish, self-seeking, dishonest and afraid. And see how you feel after two weeks. <laughs> so anyway, I found access because I was a seeker. I, you know, yeah. as I as I know you were, and I was always looking at religions and then metaphysics and yeah. astrology, and nothing was. Mm. So yeah. a friend of mine, um, I she'd actually inspired me to go to India with a guru for a while, um, and then we all stopped that and. Uh, she was in access. She lived in Santa Barbara at the time. So I was listening to tapes. We had just tapes then, not even CDs. And uh, this was in 2006. Mm-hmm. And I went to, the first class I went to was a body class because there were no prerequisites. I hadn't even done bars. Wow. So you I just jumped into the body class. Awesome. I just, well, access was a lot smaller in 2006. And this was the first body class there was. Yeah. In uh, in uh, near San Francisco, okay. and I was just hooked from that because it was so empowering. I could see that I wasn't going to be given the answer, the dogma that you do it this way, you're not right. I'm going to tell you how it is. It was like, well, what do you know? Even in the body class, I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. What do I know? Oh, this is cool. Yeah. So um, that's how I got into access and stayed in access. Pretty nice. Much. Nice. And and so talk about like, um, because those people who may be listening that may be in a 12 step program right now. Right. And and it's been going well for them, let's just say. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now they're hearing this particular diversion of it. But like, can you talk about like just the body, for example, like like are there some people out there talk about like the allergy of addiction, I guess, like what's your viewpoint on that? And, you know, because, you know, people have all different types of drug of choices, so to speak. Right. But like, as far as like alcohol and maybe drugs, we can get into sex and food and all that, but like, let's just stick with the alcohol and drugs. Cause I know I've personally seen, like I've done drugs in my lifetime. I've certainly had a drink, but I was never one of those guys that like, like craved it or anything like that. And so, but I would see friends that once they did that, it was like this light bulb went off in their head, like their mm-hmm. bo- their bodies couldn't stop thinking about that thing. Like, I'm like, oh my God, that person's gonna have a problem with that. You know what I mean? So can you talk about that? And like, how, sure. yeah, just say about well, it. There are people, what I always say is there are people who actually have an allergy to alcohol. 
Yeah. But they're people who have an allergy to peanuts and they don't call themselves peanutaholics. They just don't <laughs> eat peanuts. Love it. Love it. So if you have an if you have an allergy to alcohol and you can Google it, um, there's certain symptoms, but it's much more physical, like rashes and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and, and I'm not a medical doctor and I would not pretend to be. Yeah. Uh, so, but my sense is that many, many people who are essentially told they have an allergy to alcohol don't because so many people who've been in right recovery for you, who've used the access tools with alcohol and drugs, they just walk away from it essentially. It's not wow. an issue. And I was quote, a blackout. I would have been diagnosed as having an allergy. I was a blackout drinker. I had compulsions. I couldn't stop, you know, throwing up, dancing on tables, the whole kind of thing. And yet once I got, well, I got into AA and I didn't have a problem drinking. But then once I even stopped using those tools and used the access tools, it was a no brainer. Yeah. And um, so the other thing is, as you know, Anthony, um, just so amazing with bodies as well as other things with your body classes and um the, the access consciousness has these incredible body processes, bars and then other body processes. And my sense is that they can change whatever's going on in the brain. Mm. Now, I can't say that as a medical doctor, but I certainly know that I can drink now occasionally and I don't have the cravings. And I, I mean, I don't ever drink to blackout yeah. or anything like my whole relationship with alcohol physically, psychologically, everything else has changed as a result of using the access tools and the access body processes. Wow. So you're yeah. actually saying that like, like the, the cravings maybe used to be there back in the day. And even yes. with a, like it's no longer there anymore. It's like you could actually exactly. have a drink and you're done. Like it's yeah. not like your body's like more, more. Yeah, the, the, and the crazy mind, the, you know, yeah. okay. Well, I had a day where I only had two drinks. Now, when can, well, how much can I have tomorrow? I mean, all that. Right, right. Stuff. They call that the obsession, right? It's like exactly. obsessing yeah. about the thing, right? Yeah, so that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's huge. That's a huge statement. Like, I mean, it like rewrote your DNA almost, so to speak. Exactly. But, yeah. you know, I had a sense of that even before Access because – I, when I got out of graduate school, I work at a psychiatric hospital and it was when multiple personality disorder was the thing. Mm. I was lucky enough to get into a study group with the psychiatrists at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And we were reading various studies that showed that trauma can rewrite the brain, that wow. um, uh, the use of antidepressants and talk therapy can actually rewrite the brain. So it's not just access, it's known in the scientific communities that the brain can be basically re, re yeah. I don't know why that's a hard thing to say, but <laughs> yeah, it can be. But the other thing that I really want to put in here, and it's not so much the physical, but the th thing that I found is that addiction and whether it's alcohol and drugs or sex or significance or whatever it is, essentially follows individuals whose beings have been and bodies have been denied, denigrated, made wrong. Wow. Um, so that the pain of being so wrong mm -hmm. is actually what, and, and not having the tools and the information to adequately cope with 
their awarenesses they're having about their families and the culture and what's going on in this reality. And they're like, ah, yeah. you know, so they turn addiction in my way of looking at it is essentially when you leave yourself, mm. anything that helps you to leave yourself mm. so that you don't have to be present with the pain of not knowing how to cope and and knowing that you've been judged rightly or wrongly, or even not on purpose, but you just have this incredible sense of wrongness. And one of the issues I've had with AA, and I don't tell people don't go, I mean, if it works for you, go, but yeah. is that it's all about your wrong. And wow. that to me is actually the primary addiction. The rest are secondary. And it's a huge cause of relapse because wow. people, quit drinking or they quit doing, you know, multiple sexual partners or they quit whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And the pain of being wrong without having that addressed, that judgment and the sense of wrongness is so overwhelming with no other ways to cope that they go back to using. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So there's an element is like basically different degrees of abuse that these people have had in one form or another. And it's yeah. sort of their way of checking out. And checking out. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be normal abuse, although many people right. who become alcoholics and addicts, it can just be things like, well, you know, we're Smiths and Smiths go to this church and Smiths act this way and they get married at this time and right. they have these professions. And you're like, none of that works for me. What do I do? You know, and, and they really aren't presented with any other alternatives. And no one is saying to them, you're fabulous. Right. Who would you like to be? What would you like to create as your life? Yeah. So it's really that imposing mm -hmm. uh, cultures and just systems and things that people don't fit into. Yeah, I, we do live in a world of, of polarity, the rights and the wrongs and the goods mm -hmm. and the bads. And when you see the, the majority of the people choosing this particular religion or this particular way of doing things, and yet that doesn't really resonate with you, then that's when the self-judgment comes in. And we exactly. can be abusive to ourselves. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah God knows. And I think it's even, I don't know how they calculated this, but I heard somewhere that like, like supposedly people have at least a thousand negative self thoughts about themselves a day. Wow. <laughs> See, I, I don't know. That. That's years, about years ago. But, but then one of the things that we learn in access though, which is interesting. And for those people who are totally new, this might be a little far out for you, but, and, uh, but once I started wrapping my head around it and looking at it and using the tools, it really changed so much for me. But, we, you know, we say 99% of our thoughts, feelings and emotions don't even belong to us. Yes. So how much of those thousand negative self thoughts are even ours or just our awareness of other people's thoughts, feelings and emotions up to 8,000 miles away, Gary says, right? So that's, that's like pretty cool. <laughs> well, and I'll give you a perfect example. And the, the way addictions work is... Um, I had, there was one point where I finally went to, uh, I was going into a restaurant and I usually had coffee or um, San Pellegrino and I asked my body, what would you like to drink? And my body's like, a glass of red wine. I'm like, seriously? I hadn't had, you know, so I don't know if I can do that. And I'd been yeah. in access a couple of years. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust my body. And I had a glass of red wine and I called Gary and I said, Gary, I just had a glass of red wine. He said, how was it? I said, it was fine. I didn't even quite finish it. He said, do you have any cravings? I'm like, no, 
And, but anyway, so that was the start of my awareness that I could have a glass of red wine yeah. or whatever. And um, pre-sobriety, I had I drank like scotch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even but after I started having alcohol, if I wanted it, I, I that was not anything that interested me. But anyway, so all to set this up, I was driving home from my office one Friday about five o'clock. And um, I was driving on, you know, and I'm kind of on automatic pilot. And I'm like, boy, I can't wait to get home and have a scotch. I'm going to pour myself the biggest scotch there is. I'm really looking forward to that. And I went, wait a minute. I don't even drink scotch. I don't like it. <laughs> it was just picking wow. up everybody else five o'clock in the afternoon because I had the neuro pathways around alcohol that yeah. those are the thoughts and emotions yeah. that I'm actually more prone to be picking up. Yeah. <laughs> it just made me yeah. laugh. You know, I didn't great. have a desire to have a, a, a wine that day. It was just picking it up from other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, actually, I love that, that point. It's like, it's like whatever like your thing is or was, there'll yes. be this natural tendency to be vibrationally compatible with yes. other people who have similar yeah. things. Yes. And so it's easier to pick up on, those thoughts, feelings, those cravings, even that may not even be yours. And that's why we asked one of the the, the, the main questions, like, who does this belong to? You know, exactly. we teach the body class and, and we learn 99% of the time it's not even ours. And then, and who's left, what's left. It's either someone else's or something else. And we explore that in the foundation and even mm-hmm. in the three day body class, which is pretty cool. Which is so, very cool. What what would you say are again, especially in your early days in access, like what were your like go to tools that you used that not only did you use personally, but that you actually integrated professionally and actually saw it making a difference? Well, I would say the tool that I used every day for myself and my clients was question. Mm. So Someone used to come in and I'd say, I'm an alcoholic or I'm depressed or they, you know, they would say that. And I would start with that. And all that. After access, someone would come in and they'd say, I'm depressed. And I would say, how do you know? Or they'd say, I'm an alcoholic. And I would be, how do you know? Yeah. And uh, they would be like, well, my doctor told me or, well, because I have these symptoms. And I'm like, are they yours? And they're like, what do you mean? Are they mine? I'm like, well, I'm just asking. Thing. Is someone else around you have those symptoms? Or so I would always be questioning and having them explore their mm. conclusions. And I did a lot of work around conclusions, judgments, experts. Who are you picking this up from? What are you actually? That's the uh, another well, like obviously it's a question, but yeah. just presenting the whole axis of what do you know to be true for you right. versus what everybody else is telling you is true right. for you. So I got them to begin exploring that and letting go of everything they've been told to define themselves and that they had this problem, you know, and that made a huge difference. Just huge. How would you, what would you say? I'm trying to like, um, because I, and I'm probably picking up this particular question from someone out there who, or who may be listening to this in the future as well. What would you say, like, so you, you asked me a question, right? Let's say I'm struggling with alcoholism or whatever. Yeah. And, and you say, you know, so what's true for you? And then I, I give you this answer like, well, having at least six to eight drinks a day, right? Like, to, to, yeah. I'm like, justifying 
the need to to do it? Like, how would you like? What would you say to someone that would say that? Like, like where they're sort of using it as a re- I don't know. Like this seems like a, it could be a fine line between where they're doing reason and justification to continue the insanity versus doing it when it's really just choice, right? Yeah. And a choice where they're not consumed by it. How would you like respond to something like that in the session with somebody? Well, I just sidestepped the question most likely because okay. one of the, what, what a question that I always ask in the beginning, if not in the first, by uh, the second session is what's right about your addiction. You're not getting. Oh, that's a totally different approach. What? I'm drinking. I just wow. told you I'm drinking six drinks a day. I'm like, oh, yeah. I get that. What's right about that? What contribution wow. is that to your life? Whoa. And that really gets people looking at it. And it's things like, I don't know how else to relax. Mm. Or I don't know how to deal. My marriage is falling apart. I have two foster kids out of control. I don't know what to do. Okay. Or it's the only time people leave me alone. Or it's what all my friends do. And so what I usually say is something like, okay, given all of that, and it seems like, and we have discussed this, you don't have many other coping skills. It makes sense that you'd be drinking six drinks a day. I'm not going to tell you to stop. What I'm going to say is a couple of things. One, whatever you're doing, do it safely. And eventually I got into, I get into conscious drinking and conscious eating and all that, but not in the beginning. Do it safely. Don't drive. Make sure you know what you're doing. So the other thing is let's look at some other coping skills and information around these issues that you're using to alcohol to check out from. And wow. that's where we go with that. That is brilliant. That's, and that's probably the first time that someone has not made them wrong. Yes. And, and, and has really actually been space. Other than their drinking buddies and stuff like that, but, yeah. but you can't really count them because they want them to continue, right? But right. no, that's a different space because what because in that approach, it's like you were able to actually be aware of different things in their universe to ask them actually even more questions, and they yeah. actually were willing to be vulnerable with you, drop their barriers down, and actually let you in. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's so cool and so very, very different. It's so very different. different. Wow. And I tell people, you are not wrong. You were yeah. just not given the coping skills, the information required to manage things. And I do talk about this reality. You know, yeah. where do you not fit? And how much are you trying to fit in? And what has that been like for you? And what if being different wasn't wrong? You know, and yeah. I go, I mean, that's a few sessions. It just depends where it goes. But um, yeah. the one thing I will say, if someone's doing a lot of drugs, I say, look, can you just switch your addiction? Even alcohol is better. And I'm not making a judgment here. It's that drugs can really set you up for a lot of financial and legal problems. Yeah. You know, now alcohol, if you just drink at home, you don't drive, anything like that, you make sure you Uber if you're about, you're not going to have legal difficulties. I said, I'm just, I'm a practical person and I'm just trying to be practical. Yeah. But if you use this, what will it create? You know what I mean? Is it even worth, worth that? Um, So how would you like to see, like, I guess the legacy of right voice for you contribute to the world. Like what right would you recovery. like? Right recovery. Sorry. Yeah. What I say, which one did I say? Voice. Which right is voice. an awesome program. Right recovery. <laughs> right recovery. 
<laughs> yeah, how would you like to see that contribute to the world, to our planet, the right recovery for you program? Well, I would like people to know that they're not wrong, mm. that they have choice, not in the beginning, and I do get that, mm -hmm. but that if they're willing to go for it, there's a whole lot of information and coping skills out there that can they can use to empower themselves to come to a complete space of choice on how they would like to live and create their lives. Wow. That's beautiful. That's what I would say. Yeah. Now you just finished a five day, right? Recovery for yeah. you, right? Yeah. How was that? Oh, it was awesome. It was really, we had translation in Spanish, French, German, and Italian. Wow. So we had people from all over. And the reason it was five days is, you know, what's happening with COVID and we're all doing Zoom. So instead yeah. of doing my, standard in-person two and a half day. Mm -hmm. I've spread it out over five days. Okay. And I have another one coming up in November, the end of November. And um, I have something coming up with Marnie Barranco that's just about families and addiction. Wonderful. So kids and parents and all of that. So yeah. that's available on my website, marylandbradford.com. Um, although my main assistant in New Zealand, she won't be up for a few hours, so it may not be posted. We just <laughs> figured out the dates yesterday. It may not be posted until later today, but, um, well, I'm, say that website again, you know, so, say that website again, how people can find you and, and, and learn more yes. about your classes and what you have coming up. Uh, MarilynBradford.com is it, this is probably the best way to go. Awesome. Yeah. And, cool. uh, I invite Great. people to check it out. Um, but I just love doing these classes and yeah. in this odd way, COVID has been a blessing and that people are at home and they're like, well, I've always kind of wanted to learn about that. And yeah. now I can participate in that. We had a lot of participation and that's all. Really, yeah. And, and you don't have to be someone who actually has an addiction or anything like that. You may be in relationship. It may be your parent. It may be even one of your children. So it's like, what would taking Marilyn's classes contribute to you and to your family. I love the idea of getting the family involved because it always makes it easier when everybody yes. can sort of be on the same page, still have their differences in their own lives and stuff, but but be on the same page. So at least energetically, everyone's included. So yeah, yeah so I think that's and brilliant. Get tools to, and and from, I don't know that we have time to go into it now, but I really take addictions, this leaving yourself, this checking out, yeah. to have people look at things like being the perfect parent, um, yes. having the healthiest diet they can possibly find, you know, health nuts. My dad was a workaholic. I mean, literally he would go to the office and come back. We'd have dinner and he'd work to midnight. And I, you know, in retrospect, looking at the family and all my mom and all kinds of things, he, he needed to absent himself for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, so there can be all kinds of ways that we check out and mm -hmm. what I call it, I call it the targets of the addictive energy because it's an energy and it's just going to show up how it shows up for each person. I love it. And, and, and through the process, it's like it's you through the question, through the empowerment um, yeah. and inviting people to know what they know. It's like it creates this level of awareness. And when you have that awareness, you're able to change anything in an instant. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, being here, being willing to have this conversation. Uh, you know, I see people struggling all over the world, you know, with varieties of addiction and you don't have, it doesn't have to be your life. 
and there is a there's there is a different way out there that's very very effective and uh be willing to go outside the box and explore the tools of access consciousness and and like i said marilyn bradford changed my life she's an amazing facilitator and um and she just has a great way of um of um presenting the tools and using the tools to facilitate your own consciousness and, and awareness within you so Thank you so much for who you are and who you be in the world. And uh, thank you, Anthony. Same to you. Right back. Everything that you've created has just been amazing. So oh, I'm very grateful to you. Sweet. All right. Well, have fun, and uh, we'll see you around the world soon. All right. Hope so yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Bye bye. Awesome. Thanks, Marilyn, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If this conversation has been a contribution to you, please share, subscribe, or leave a review. For more about Anthony, please come visit dranthonymatters.com. And if you'd like to know more about the amazing tools of Access Consciousness, you can go to www.accessconsciousness.com.